Hello guys, welcome to the second episode of the Kickabout podcast. This is where we talk all things football, looking at the big leagues with the big stories, whilst also deep diving into those hidden gems you might not know about. My name's Ben Hislop and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Jack and Matcha. Hiya. Now, with the whole world having a bit of a mad one, uh, and... Stopping the football season, we're going to take a look at the past seasons. But before that, let's take a look at the stories of the week. Now to kick us off, Jack, I believe you have a wonderful story for us about Harry Kane. So I saw this article uh, with Harry Kane's contract potentially running out and no inclination for him to sign another one. Um, there's been a couple of leads for big end clubs who we could sign for, and they're the biggest, one, some of the biggest clubs in the world. With Real Madrid being the favourite, Man United, um, Barcelona, Man City, and Bayern Munich. And uh, I wondered what your guys' thoughts was if, if you think he's going to leave, and if so, which one of those clubs do you think would be a better fit for him? Okay. Um... Macho, what's your take on this? Yeah, so with Kane, I think it's a weird one because if he did move, it would be so much money. And so it is only really those elite clubs that would be able to afford him because he's, well, his goal numbers in recent years are incredible. Yeah, mm. I was looking before, and um, since he's started, uh, since he signed for Spurs, he's not scored less than 17 goals in a season. And yeah, where we just had, he scored eleven and twenty, which is an amazing record. Yeah, incredible. Uh, it, in my eyes, I think out of those teams, it'd probably be Real Madrid, just because I would have said Bayern, but Lewandowski kind of is the main man there, and I know he's getting a bit older. But I can't see Kane going somewhere where there's already kind of that established. Like Real Madrid, Benzema's mm. been there a long time, and I think. The signing of Jovic, it hasn't, well, it hasn't instantly worked. I, I still think he could be good for Real Madrid, but Real Madrid are kind of known for bringing in these Galactico players, and he kind of is one. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see PSG go for him, but I, I wouldn't see him end up. I, could, I don't see him ending up there. No. I mean, PSG. I'm, I know it's only a loan, but they've already got a Cardi. Exactly. Uh, and it's, it, it's looking more likely that. Cardi's going to go uh, yeah. make that make that transfer permanent because I, I think he's really really uh, mm. stepped it up and France. But yeah, I'm I'm the same as you, match. I think either uh, Bayern Munich or Real Madrid. Um, un, un, unless Lewandowski has a massive tail off, yeah, and admits to himself that he can only be a second striker in in a sense. Or the same mm. with Benzema, actually, because Benzema's fought that position for years and he's only just now got it in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, because Ronaldo was obviously main exactly. man for so long there. Talking about Ronaldo, hot take it, Juventus. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess Higuain is another one that's he's in his 30s now and obviously he didn't do too well when he was at Chelsea, but he had a good year this year. Mm. There is, there is Dybala, but he's kind of been moulded into a deeper yeah. player. I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised, to be fair, if he did end up there. Mm. It's just Ronaldo again. It's, it's dislodging Ronaldo. Yeah, that, that's, that's the big problem. So with an English striker going to play abroad and the way he seems to be playing for England right now, um, with, in Gary Lineker, with Gary Lineker in his prime when he was playing for Barcelona, um, and England, as well as Harry Kane, possibly going to Real Madrid and playing for England. Do you see similarities in the players? Because I think they're they're very similar in the way they play. I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a very um, avid Gary Lineker fan, but I, I do get what you mean. They're kind of not necessarily full on pace, but kind of more match match intelligence, kind of. Yeah, poacher type of yeah. striker. Awareness and they play with their mind as well as their feet. And um, yeah, do you, do you think it's possible for Harry Kane to reach the level of of Gary Lineker? I feel like 
I feel like Harry Kane is going to want to stay and beat Shearer's record. I don't know why. Yeah, that that's that's a big thing with drawing him to England. I think he has a real possibility of breaking that Shearer record, but it's whether he wants to go for individual accolades or kind of club ones. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ramos said this week if he wanted individual uh, kind of accolades, he'd have just become a tennis player. Mm. So <laughs> it's whether Kane has that mentality as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you hear all the time with Tottenham players, that they always come out and say, oh, we're looking to push, we're looking to push. But, mm. and no no disrespect, but it, it has to be questioned when you go that long without a trophy of a team of that quality as well. Yeah, and with mm. uh, Jose Mourinho now stepping in and seems to be liking playing with um, Lucas Moira and... Human's son and Deli Ali and playing with that front three as well as Harry Kane. Um, now that there's more competition there, do you think that's also another reason for for Harry Kane to look elsewhere? Oh, I think. How old is he now? Twenty six. Okay. Yeah, he's twenty six. I think twenty six. So, okay, I, I'm saying if he does move. One more season at Spurs, and either Mourinho, yeah. either Mourinho will fall out with him, or they won't win something, and the whole Spurs squad is just going to up and leave. Disappear. Um, I mean, you saw it with Ericsson. Mm, yeah, I, it's kind of. I think he's dying a trend. I don't know why he went to Inter Milan, but. <laughs> You've seen it with Ericsson, and I think you'll see it with Kane and Deli Alley and etc. Mm. It seems to be um, obviously a higher quality, but what happened with Southampton when they were building their nice young team um, mm. together for years under um, again was that Marino Pochettino at that time, um, building a young team, moving them up. And um, one by one, they just left because they weren't win- winning anything. And they knew they were good players. They just weren't that. They, they, they worked well individually, but together they just didn't win any silverware or, or got to places they needed to be. Yeah. That is a, that's a very good point. So, Jack, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think he's going to move? I think so. Um, I think it's unlikely he'll he'll want to want to sign another contract to to possibly be questioned about playing every game and um, and and win nothing um, except in preseason. Obviously, those are always bangers. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I I see him staying in the Premier League, and he wants guaranteed. Champions League. I don't know if he could. Could he pull a rival swap and head to Arsenal? I see him playing there. That's not happening. Very controversial. No, he's not. <laughs> that's not happening. Harry Kane and Aubameyang up to, up top. They would. Um... No, 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 no. That that that's not happening. I'm telling you now, as an Arsenal fan, that is not happening either. <laughs> Aubameyang's going in the next two seasons because he's just above us. And Harry Kane, Daniel Levy would charge normally 200 million. And because it's Arsenal, he'd probably add another 50 million on that. You know what? It's an outsider bet, I reckon. It's an outsider Okay. And if, I, if, I, if, if I'm right and that happens, I want £237. Okay, cool. Whatever. Um, Matcha, <laughs> what's your take? Oh, on Kane? Yep. Oh, I think this season, if it ends early, and I mean, depending on what happens with obviously how Champions League gets sorted, it could be a blessing in disguise for Tottenham because they're set to not qualify for the Champions League. But mm. say they kind of go, right, we'll just put the same teams in as last year and kind of pretend nothing happened. And all of a sudden, Tottenham are back in it and he goes, well, yeah, I'll stay. Whether he stays if they're not in Champions League, I could see him staying one more year, but I, I don't see him staying past then. Mm. Yeah, same here. Same here. Um, I, I'm saying Real Madrid. 
personally. I don't yeah. I don't see anywhere else that has the pulling power and the finances to go along with that. Um Yeah. He's a Galactico in the making. I'm he? saying two hundred million. Just 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 yeah. two hundred million Real Madrid replacing Jovic and replacing Benzema. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um Macho, do you wanna do you wanna move on to to your story of the week? Yeah, so speaking of Benzema, he um he's had some hot take, shall we say, this week. Ooh. Uh he was being talked to, I believe, um about Olivier Giroud. And he said, Why compare an F one car to a go car? Which <laughs> was interesting. I mean he later said, Well, in comparison to the original Brazilian Ronaldo, Benzema is considered a of go-kart and that was Benzema's words mm. but I, I thought it was interesting kind of to compare them because I think in world football they're kind of actually two strikers that are very similar they're very selfless for the team yeah. in their play I find yeah because um, I, I, I always looked at Benzema as maybe an out-and-out striker but like goal scorer like Kane but I think he is more of that team player and he maybe had to mould into that because of Ronaldo um, I mean I've had a little look into Benzema's career and it's there's lots of trophies, obviously, from playing for, let's be real, one of the best teams probably of the last decade. Mm. Real Madrid won the Champions League four times. Um, but what stood out to me was he, he's the player that's got the most assists for Ronaldo. He's got 47 uh, career assists just for Ronaldo, which no one can top. Yeah. Um, and I said he's not just an out-and-out goal scorer, but he is the fourth all-time top scorer in the Champions League. So I can kind of see where his comments were coming from, but I think it was a bit harsh on Giroud. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm a Chelsea fan. I do love Giroud. Yeah, as Arsenal fan as well. I think Giroud is one of those players. He's he's very he's, he's very hit and miss. Because mm. w- when he hits, he he is unbelievable. You don't see it, but his link up play, and oh, it's incredible. And just his general him presence and, is amazing. Him and Pedro is genuinely one of my favourite pairings in football. I think they link up so well. But, I mean, looking at Giroud, he's not far off what Benzema's had, considering the teams he's played for. Obviously, Arsenal and Chelsea are the two main ones, and there was Montpellier as well. But mm. they're not small clubs, but they're not Real Madrid. And they, he didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo next to him, but he still went on to win, you know, Europa League. He's he's a four-time FA Cup winner. He won the World Cup. And he's a World Cup, yeah. He, he led the line for France, which Benzema didn't do because... Benzema's off-field antics, obviously. Scandals. A couple of years ago with Matthew Malbuena. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Allegedly or whatever. Yeah, um, I don't know if we have to say that. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I, I don't want this podcast being sued. Uh, no. Um, yeah, allegedly Benzema did things like that. <laughs> <laughs> if that wasn't the case and um, he was eligible for French um, uh, French uh, to play for the French team, um, I think I'd still go with Giroud over. Ooh, okay. I, I don't know. I, I say this only because looking also at the French FA, up until then they loved him. He was he is actually a four-time French Player of the Year, um, Benzema. I think yeah he won it uh, 2011, 2012, and 2014. So three time. No, yeah, three time. Uh, right around when Frank Ribery was really good. So, like, obviously he was a top player at that time as well. Yeah. And I think the FA really like him in France. So, up until what, obviously, allegedly happened. Yeah, yeah. All the drama going on there. Hmm. But Giroud does fit that French team so well. He's the selfless man in the middle of Griezmann and Bappe, Dembélé, and the list's endless. Yeah, so, because, because they're pace-impaired, should we say, mm. um, they sort of have had to rely on uh, playing with the ball and holding up the, the ball and and that kind of link-up play I'm talking about. Um, I, maybe it's because I have watched Giroud more than I have Benzema, but it seems to me like Giroud's always like a little bit deeper and um, the, the attacks sort of go as one as opposed to um, getting the ball playing it to one of the wings, then carrying it up and scoring. They they all travel together. And I think that's that's what uh, Giroud would take to the French team with all those pacey strikers and wingers, um, mm. as opposed to, to Benzema. 
Yeah, I, I feel you. You also have to think about, uh, yeah, like you said, the mould to the side because Giroud's been on that side for five, six years now, in mm. consistently, and he obviously he's seen the likes of Dembele and Mbappe come alongside him, but the type of players around him don't change. Fast, pacey wingers, and and quite small, um, quite agile creative midfielders around him that hasn't changed um with Benzema yeah. that's a bit different because he's had Bale he's had Ronaldo he's had Tony Cruz I mean yes he's had Hammers and players like that but I just think it takes so long for a player to be so good in one system I don't see why you take out Giroud in the national team even if that yeah. was available yeah I mean, I think, yeah, in that French team, they are very small around him and he is a very focal point in the air. I think he's got, out of his um, Premier League goals, he's got 30 headed goals and then 44 with his left foot. So he's almost as lethal in the air as his feet. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't take him out too fair yeah. at this time. But then if Benzema hadn't been taken out, you question whether he would have gotten in yeah. as much. But obviously you can't, you can't. <laughs> We do. I'm not knocking Joe. I love yeah. Joe. Yeah. I think his professionalism is something that I really respect because this summer, or this January, sorry, he could have gone. I mean, it was at the time he was looking at the Euros and he wasn't really playing much, but he just got his head down and worked hard and he's come back into the Chelsea team. And I think it was uh, two goals in three games, but they were massive goals mm-hmm. against Tottenham and Everton. Yeah. It was sort of a wake-up call that uh, Tammy Abrams was starting to pull him out, and um, he was playing so well. It was sort of good to have that competition again. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, final, final news segment. I found this absolute wonder story. So, Sky Sports. Um, basically put a poll out to their readers and it was for player of this season uh, of, of this season so far because obviously we don't know if it's going to continue uh, so yeah. I'm going to read up um, in ascending order Virgil van Dijk 5% of the votes um, Mohamed Salah got 2% Kevin De Bruyne 20% Jordan Henderson 31% and Sadio Mane with 33% of the votes. Now, personally, I do not agree with that. Okay. I, I, don't I, I think Sadio Mane has been amazing as he has the last, well, since he's been in the Premier League, but I honestly, I, I think Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne or Henderson, um, the, the way I've seen Henderson fill in for um, either Robertson or Trent, whenever they're bombing forward, almost fill in as like a fullback is unbelievable. I think that goes really unnoticed in his passing range. And then Kevin De Bruyne, you don't need to talk about Kevin De Bruyne. Everyone knows. He's... Everyone knows what he does. Uh, well, so, so personally, Junior Wijnaldum isn't isn't up there. Mm. Obviously, making 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 his presence known that Milner's getting a bit older. Um, he's now been crucial to their both attacking and defending um, sides, both playing amazingly in Champions League and Premier League. He was very decent in the Champions League last season, and he's he's stepped up another gear somehow. And he's I don't think Liverpool could play another game and have the same level of intensity without having him in the middle. That is, it's a very very good point. I mean, I think when you see see where Wayne Adams come from, from Newcastle being relegated, and the amount of progression he's made to be able to go into a Champions League winning side and look not out of place at all is unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's a special player in Adam. To be fair. I mean, we saw a glimpse of it at Newcastle. I remember he scored like four goals in one game, but it didn't work out for that, mm. did it? He was almost outshadowed by Stoko at that, at that point at Newcastle. 
and then they both. Yeah. How did that team get relegated? I don't know. I do not know. That midfield, that midfield was incredible. Ronaldo's just okay. <laughs> and Czech yesterday just holding. Oh, love Czech yesterday. Miss, I miss him, man. I miss him. Um. Anyway, uh, I'm personally my player of the year or player of the season. Sorry, trajectory Kevin De Bruyne. Simple as. Yeah, I always struggle with this. With like, who's the player of the year? I always kind of try and look at if he wasn't in the team, where would they be? Yeah. And arguably, off that, I'd actually say Rashford, but um, I, I don't think Rashford's player of the year. I think I'd probably go to Boring, but I always find it's hard to tell before the end of the season because once you've got kind of who's won the league, was there a player that stood out in that team? Maybe. Yeah, I'd probably go to Boring. Just incredible. Are we, are we including goalkeepers in this player of the season? Or is that something different? Yeah. Because yeah, do keepers. I would chuck Dean Henderson into the mix. That's a very good yeah. shout. Um, the, the, yeah. Putting them in um, possibly Europa League spaces. Um, that is. I, I think it's incredible for them to come up on that season almost to a Leicester. No one was expecting it, but he has had an absolutely incredible season. He, he's been unbelievable. Yeah, he has been. I think. I think... The only reason I. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. The only reason I probably wouldn't go for anyone at Sheffield is because they are a real team. That there isn't. I mean, he does stand out in goal because obviously quite a lot of the time. Well, not quite a lot. They're quite good in the ball, but every so often he does have to pull out a one to save. But I think it kind of discredits at how good of a team that they are to say that one player stood out over the others at times. But I I agree, been incredible. Okay, so. Me and Matcha, we're going with Kevin De Bruyne. And Jack, you're going with Dean Henderson, that's right? Yeah. Fair enough. Right, boys, I think it's time we move on to the main topic. So, I'm arguing, well, I'm just going to say, main topic, 2011-2012 season, I'm saying this now, the best season of Premier League football that's ever been. I think it's the best season oh. ever, um, if you ask me, especially in the Champions League. Um, champ- just, just generally, it's, it's one of the, I, I <laughs> one, one of the best seasons I've seen, due just to the absolute craziness. So I, I just want to focus on the Premier League season. Obviously, we yeah. all know, final day that Martin Tyler Aguero moment in the last minute, City nicking it at QPR from underneath United's noses. Yeah, unbelievable. Like you'll just never see anything like. I mean, they've said it, but you you'll never see anything like that again. It's it it was just, it was just crazy. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, every season after that's kind of like a crappy remake. Mm. (laughs) It's never quite going to live up to the original. Uh, I mean, I'll just read out the top five for you. City, obviously champions, United second, Arsenal third, Spurs fourth. And I would say the surprise team, Newcastle. Papia Cisse and Demba Bar. I love Demba Bar. Oh, my word. The unlikely. Yeah, incredible. They were phenomenal together, weren't they? Oh, oh, they were they were ridiculous. Um, Jack, do you remember his goal against Chelsea? Yeah. <laughs> oh, on, on. I don't think they would they would start in in any of the top sides at that point. But together, they 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 could push some of the some of the big guys out. Mm. I reckon because together they just were on another level. They they were they were ridiculous. Um, uh, just. Some of the key moments, obviously, we've already said about uh, City snatching it away from United, but the six-one battering at Old Trafford. Balotelli, why always always me? That that shirt, Alex Alex Ferguson, absolutely humbled. I remember listening to that game on the radio and just 
being in disbelief yeah. and joy at the same time. <laughs> not because I'm a Sea fan, just because it's nice to see United not win mm-hmm. everything. And at the time, they obviously were. Yeah, oh, what a game. And then uh, a, a really absolute nightmare horror show for me. United A, Arsenal 2. Oh, at Trafford, yeah. at Old Trafford. That that it it was mm. it was just an absolute capitulation. It just showed that our, our whole backline. I can't even remember who who was in the time team. I think it was Andros, Andre Santos, and Kieran Gibbs. I think Alex Song. It it, it was just Juro oh. as well. Yeah, that that was not a good. <laughs> that was an awful e- evening afternoon. I no. That that no. So, I always remember that game for Anderson playing probably one of the best assists I've ever seen. He like edge of the box just hooped it up for a fifty-fifty between Chesney and Welbeck, and Welbeck won it and knocked it in. Um, I I, I also want to look at uh, Jack. What's your take on this? The Everest Suarez handshake. <laughs> uh, I mean, I shouldn't. Have. Um, there was. A lot of controversy. In this yeah, of course. And Suarez, in general, he was he was a yeah. controversial guy to to put it. Um, it was it was it was just not on. I I don't know where it came from. I don't know why. Since signing from Ajax, he's just. Incredible on the pitch. He dealt with other players, and Patrice Evra especially was a pool. Mm. Yeah, it, it it was a very um, it's a very challenging um, situation for obviously the club and obviously him, him and Evra, their whole situation on the pitch and after the after the game as well I think United won that game I believe uh, possibly and I remember Everett just dance, yeah. like going up running celebrating in front of Suarez um, and then the stewards having to take him away from Suarez because oh it's just that whole situation was an absolute mess yeah because I I watched Liverpool heavily at that point, and um, he was—he was by far the best player we had there, um, scoring goals whenever he liked, uh, from wherever he liked, and you wanted to see him score every game, and you wanted to see another good game. But when he does things like that, it's—it puts you in a difficult position to hate the guy but love the player. Mm. If that makes sense, um, mm. and. There's no excuse for doing things like that. Yeah, it's good to, if, if you're a striker, you want to annoy the defender, you want to get in his head a little bit, you want to push him around, make sure he knows you're there. Um, but not to that extent. That's that's just never okay. And with with Patrice Evra retaliating, it with um, the the dances when they won and um, not shaking their hand in the reverse picture fixture sort of for some reason makes Patrice Evra look like a bad guy as well when there's nothing. No, no, I think um I, I think in that case it that that was Everest's way of saying, look, I have got a job to do. I'm gonna stay professional but I'm not gonna respect you. Um because of obviously what, what happened. Mm. Um but it, yeah that that was that was one of those moments. That was another Sadly, it was it, it was an infamous moment, but it was one of those Premier League moments that you will never forget. Yeah, because it from um, from my perspective, it's difficult. It's it's easier to watch the football and watch 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 what's happening in the game, and not not worry about um, what's going on with the players, what they're doing, and the whole racism kick it out campaign that they've got going on at the moment that was was not as big and not as um well known and for me it was unheard of i didn't realize that it was still around they were still doing it in the game and um i don't know if 
if either of you heard about this, but actually in Portugal a few months ago, um, they had another story like this. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and the, the striker, um, was it was it for Porto? Yeah, Port, uh, I think it's, yeah, Morega. It was a Morega. Yeah, he he was trying to walk off the pitch and um he he seized because he he'd had enough. It's getting to him, and understandably, he 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 didn't have to, he didn't have to be be subjected to that because it's not something anyone should ever hear mm. in their life. And he wanted to to get away from it and and leave. And even his own teammates would not let him leave. Yeah, I I think I think at that point you. Obviously, we we all heard about the stuff with England uh, in their in their friendly a little while ago, but I think at that point, as a team, you should come together and just say this is something that we need to we need to all stand by. And if that means the team's deducted three points because of a forfeit, they're deducted three points. A team like Porto can can very easily um, their season isn't really shaken by three points. But I, I just think. At that point, um, I think morals need to come into place more than a football match. Yeah, I think there needs to be a bigger punishment for things like that. Um, because even now, that was 11-12 season, that was eight mm. years ago. Um, not, not a lot has been done about it, mm. I don't think, um, for things like this to still happen. There needs to be a bigger punishment for, for when it does happen. Like like you said, forfeiting the points, um, maybe um, having an enclosed game where none of the fans can come watch, um, put, make them forfeit another few games, maybe cap a few of the players, um, play a few of their reserves, I don't know, but something needs to happen where they get it in their head that it's not it's not okay to mm. do that. Yeah. Um I, I just want to move on because I, I feel we might be getting a bit sidetracked um, <laughs> a little bit from the 2012-11 season. Uh, but so, something that you guys may or may not know, uh, obviously Wigan uh, back then were kind of struggling to stay in the Premier League and they won seven out of their nine remaining matches uh, to finish 15th with wins over Arsenal, United and Liverpool. Because... Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? That's like... That's, that's title yeah, form that's, at the end of the season. That's literally, like, you, you hear all these things, obviously everyone knows about the title win of City and everyone knows about the Newcastle story. But if you creep down the table a bit more, mm. for a team, like, yeah... yeah for a team like that, threatened with relegation to pull out seven out of nine wins in their final few games. It's just ridiculous. Was that when... Yeah, I'm trying to remember that team. Was there... It was, I think there was like Jean Beaujajor was like their left winger. And they like, Rod- Rod- did they still have Rodney? I think Rodney was still there. Fulham? I think he went to Fulham the next season. Yeah, he was, he was I, brilliant. I think they had Hangeland at that point as well. Um... And Clint Dempsey. Yeah. No, not Clint Dempsey. I'm thinking of why am I, I'm thinking of Fulham. Why am I thinking yeah, of Fulham? Just because yeah, he yeah, did yeah. go to Fulham I'm after Fulham. Didn't he, Rodriguez, but they had um, mm. they had some good players. No one that really stood out though, and I think it's kind of like Sheffield yeah, United because they came together as a wins over Arsenal. Which is really nice. Was Burnley like that? Yeah, Burnley very similar at the moment. Mm. And from a couple of seasons ago, and you just love to watch it. Um, can can you put some respect on Chris yeah. Wood's name, please? Because Chris Wood, elite striker. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get where Jack's coming from. Burnley, there's players there, but in five years' time, are we really going to remember the fact that Ashley Barnes scored? I think like six goals in his first five games this year. <laughs> Not really. He's he's a forgettable Sad. footballer, unfortunately. No. no offense to him. Except for the. Um... The three goalkeepers, the three England international goalkeepers that they have, um, everyone just is sort of such a mole that they just are one player. <laughs> Burnley are just one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, 
I, I just want to take a moment to talk about Robin van Persie. 30 goals. Um, oh. I, I, th- I think my fondest memory was him absolutely battering in a half volley, I think, against Chelsea. Are you sure it's not the one that he uh, scored? I don't know. In the it was one of them. It was one of the times. Him scoring a penalty. No, I mean, you're not you're sure your fondest memories and when he scored a no, penalty against no, United right? in the 8 2 loss. You're getting sidetracked, okay? <laughs> no. Okay, look. Robin Van Persie. <laughs> no, he did. He did spank one in against Chelsea, I do remember. I think we lost 5 3. Robin Van Persie is just oh. one of those players. Like, yeah. I mean, he wasn't like Kane, but like Kane, he, he wasn't incredibly fast. But he just read the game so well, and he was in the positions at the right time, and that left foot, oh my word. I've honestly never seen one man hit a ball as cleanly and crisply as Robin Van Persie on the half volley. I definitely miss. Yeah, he could. I mean, his set pieces are brilliant as well. I'll take, um, you could not pick or be close. And when when he left the Premier League, he just wanted to see international football again so he could see him play for the Netherlands because again, he was phenomenal with, with Wesley Schneider there. And mm-hmm. the, the, the Arsenal United 8 2 loss that he was in he was a standout player but he was playing for losing side so that just shows the kind of the kind of player he is hmm. um, I, I just want to talk about David Silva as well 15 assists top assist maker he, he was um, he was unbelievable yeah he was a great yeah, player. Yeah. Well, he still is a he great still player. Is. Until that season. I think one one of the most underrated. Yeah, I mean, I think he's mm. he's a city legend, isn't he, for Man City? In their their most successful period, but he's just a bit class. He's just a bit of class, isn't he? Um. Also, Vincent Company, uh, player of the season. Uh, I, I, I probably. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't majorly looking into players that season but it's hard to hard to yeah. I, I remember mm-hmm. I know they won 6-1 against United but I think I think it was like a few games left they played United again at the Etihad and they won 1-0 mm-hmm. and it was a company header and I think that was a massive moment that kind of I think because they that was a crazy weren't City like 12 points clear and then United caught up and overtook and then City overtook in that, yeah. Yeah, in that think... Manchester derby and then carried on to the end of the season. It was kind of company. It's mm. the leader. That that was ridiculous. And, um, just to finish off the player awards, while well, I say player manager of the season, Jack, you got any guesses? Uh, Alex Ferguson, probably. Nope. Matcha. Or is this the dancing man, Alan Pardew, touchline hero, headbutted no, David Marley? Not that year. But... Alan Pardew bringing Newcastle into fifth place into the Europa League. And then Mike Ashley gives him a contract until, I think, next year. Yeah. He gave him like an eight year contract, which. Yeah, well, mistake. we can all get a bit too, too optimistic. But I, I just yeah. think that that team of like, we, we already said Papasise, Demba Bar, Johan mm. Kabai, Ben Arthur, and 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 Czech Tiote. Remy Cabela, I think, was there. Maybe I don't know. I'm not too sure. Okay, I think he joined a few years after because he was part oh, of the uh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Team, but like Missouri. just that Newcastle side, they weren't like you said before, Jack. I don't think they were they were amazing individuals, but as a unit together, they were unstoppable at points. I, I really think, um, I really think they were, they were out of this world. Uh, I, 
Yeah, I've never. Yeah, but go on. Sorry. I was going to say, I've never seen anyone embarrass Petr Cech like oh. Papi Cissé did that season. I know we spoke about it before, but that goal just really is a moment in the Premier League. Um, I just I just want to finish off uh, the little the Premier League section. Uh, I'm, I'm flinging this one to you, Jack. Surprise player, Clint Dempsey, 17 goals and six assists for Fulham. Where did Fulham finish? Uh, I um not. I, I believe it was only mid table. I believe so. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, he was phenomenal. Was that um, was that before or after he played for Spurs? After Matt, you must know that. One sec. Uh, I'm trying to find. Oh, Fulham finished fifth. No, ninth. Sorry. Ninth. Yeah, I mean that. Joint points with yeah. Liverpool that season, so. Yeah. I think yeah. it was Spurs as well after that. He went after. Yeah, he did. He went to Spurs mm. and was brilliant Absolutely. for them as well. Um, because un- until Christian Pulisic, you don't really see amazing, amazing players come from America. Um, yeah. Just- and that already makes him bad. Um, so okay, we, we, we won't be having any any of that on the show, Jack. All right, calm down. Except for Josie Altador as well, who was bad. Um, the... Josie Altador was awful. <laughs> yeah, no, Josie Altador was not Sunderland good for Sunderland, and then went back to Canada. Yeah, I mean, who gets rid of the foe and brings in Altador and then goes actually now we need a. Was that it? There was something involved. Oh, no, they brought yeah, the foe back without at all. That's probably the best standard no, ever No, I think did. What, they, <laughs> what they did is they sold him, brought in out door, sold out door back to them, and then brought in the foe. I don't know. It, it, it was yeah. weird. It's, it's a weird time. Real. Basically, Josie out door should yeah, have not played the Premier League. Let's sum that up. Um, so... Boys, I want to go into uh, the penultimate section, European Rundown, okay? Um, so, mm. Macho, I'm going to come to you first, and then Jack, I'm going to come to you with the second league. Okay. So, uh, the first okay. league, Bundesliga, okay? Champions, Borussia Dortmund, 84 yeah. points. Bayern Munich second, 73 mm. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm just going to lay off a few of their key players Hummels, Gundogan, Perisic was still playing then Goetze and Robert Lewandowski I think this was his breakout season 47 appearances 30 goals yeah. it was a great team it really mm. was a great team that year that Dortmund had and I mean it was it took a few years for Klopp to get there, a bit like with Liverpool. But once they got to the top, they won it two years in a row and really kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons in the Bundesliga. But it also kind of started this period of it was them two dominating the league because a few years before, Wolfsburg, who was mm. kind of a mid-table team, won the league. But then that kind of stopped happening after that. Bayern and Dortmund pulled away. Yeah, it, it really did. Um it really did start this rivalry uh, between the two. And then obviously the, the, the player Bayern mm. got to Lewandowski. But but Bayern Yeah, <laughs> Bayern weren't very weren't weren't light footed. Uh, Jack, I'm just gonna say some names. Tony Cruz, although he wasn't the player he is now then, he was still in their ranks. Ribery, Robin, Mario Gomez. Mm. Um, better than people doing Mario Gomez. Uh, he was incredible, and he was very much like um, Robin Van Persie in the sense that he could hit a ball from anywhere and it would go in. And I, I don't think he got a lot of recognition for that because he was he was playing not in the Premier League at that point, but he mm. was. 
he was pure class and he was pure class for the German team as well, which isn't an easy team to get into. And he was no. a star striker for years and years because he was just incredible. Yeah, I, I think he also possibly got overshone. Obviously, Ribery and Robin, ev- everyone knows them. Uh, but I think they're real fan fan favourites. But I think Mario Gomez did an underrated job at Bayern Munich. I don't think, um, whilst he was a very, very good player for them, I think he, maybe he was one of those players that fans weren't 100% on board with. Because um, I, I don't really remember hearing much about Mario Gomez, even though he was performing well. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember hearing yeah. much about him. I mean, he when I was checking up on Benzema because I, I knew Benzema was high up in the Champions League scoring charts. I was having a look through some of the other players. Gomez is up there in the top thirty, which top thirty, okay, but then it's the elite of yeah. the elite in that competition. So that <laughs> it's still quite impressive. So he, he was a it's good no striker, joke. Mario Gomez. It's sort of the uh, the Bayern Munich play style yeah. that um, the player to the wing they cut in and they shoot around the around the keeper. And that obviously doesn't leave a lot of a lot of room for strikers to get goals because the wingers are scoring the ball. They've sort of changed recently now with Lewandowski um, scoring for fun, but with Rivery and Robin cutting in and finessing around, Gomez probably didn't have a lot to do at that time. And that was probably why they were they were the fan favourites because they together they were well, like we were saying about Newcastle and Sheffield them playing as a unit and them being basically one player. To me, um, they were the opposite. They were two players playing with a separate team. Mm. They were playing so that they could score and they could get the highlights as opposed to playing to win the game for their team. And that, that, that's not how Mario Gomez has played. And that's why I, I look at Mario Gomez um, to be sort of a higher level than them two at, at that point. Obviously, that's not how Germans must uh, see see football. No, I I think that's some some very good points. Um, I I also want to take you know just a quick hop across the border from Germany to France. Another another shake up in Europe. Uh, Champions Montpellier again, like you were saying with Wolfsburg. Montpellier were a mid table team um, yeah. the season before, and. Uh, they got promoted, didn't they? they I believe was, so. They got promoted, I believe. And, um, from League Two. Well, then... you know, they, they just came through. I think very much, again, that they, they were a very good unit team, although they did have Olivier Giroud coming in 21 goals and 12 assists mm. in League uh, which is unbelievable. Um, like, like we were talking about his link-up play earlier, that, that just proves it. That proves the link-up play. Um, with, with 12 assists yeah he's I mean I think yeah them winning it they, they're the last to kind of the smaller teams to win it because obviously they I think it was a few years after Leon had won it like five years in a row I think that ended in 2008 or somewhere around then but then since Montpellier have won it in 2012 the next eight years PSG have won it seven times out of those years and the only other team mm. to have won it in that time is Monaco, who are another yep. kind of money superpower. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I, I think it was a very much needed breath of fresh air because, obviously, as you said back then, Lyon and um, and Olympic Marseille were, were the teams to beat. They, they were the mm. they were the Liverpool cities. They were the Dortmund, Munich. They, yeah, they they were the, the they were the top dogs. Um, and a PSG player, I I only remember from playing uh playing FIFA. If I'm being honest, uh, Nene, Brazilian cent- central attacking midfielder, uh, it did very similar numbers to Giroud: twenty one goals and thirteen assists. Um, e- even though his team fell fell behind Montpellier, um. Jack, do you have any memories of French football around this point? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had Mamadou Sakho as captain at PSG. That would not surprise me. I think that's about it. 
That, that, that would that would not surprise me. Mamadou Saka. You, you know about Mamadou Saka, Jack? How about Mamadou Saka? Um, as far as I'm concerned, he, he started playing football for Crystal Palace and he's been playing there. <laughs> he had, he, he had, he had no, no games at Liverpool. He played zero times and he did not do anything of the weight loss propaganda that was suggested. Okay. Let him be. Let him be. Then. Okay. Well, um, I, I think we've I think we've covered that fairly well. Um, I, I now want to take a quick dive uh, to to end the show. Dive into social corner. Oh, sounds mysterious. I know. Um, mm. So, Jack, I'm going to chuck this one at you. Well, Jack and Matcha, but Jack first. The Premier League uh, today, I saw on Twitter, official Premier League account has basically, they've informed everyone that due to obviously the pandemic going on and all the craziness in the world, the Premier League is going to be postponed indefinitely until this whole thing is resolved. They originally planned to bring it back in May, but there's no sign of anything picking up. So, Jack, how does it feel with no Bournemouth in your life for the foreseeable future? Honestly, I think it's the best the best thing to, to do. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. Um, it's the safest option and the best option. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they're carrying on with it because as of right now, Bournemouth would be in the championship next season. Um, so I'm glad that they're not scrapping the season. Um, but it, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be some hard hard few weeks not not watching football. Um, I'm going to miss it. I am. I already miss it, and I'm going to miss it for a bit more. Mm. Is it going to um, affect the Euros then? Do you know? Our Euros have been pushed back uh, until 2021. Although they're still naming it Euro mm. 2020, apparently, which I find very bizarre. Well, the amount of spent on that brand yeah, and logo, and you know what, it's probably cheaper just to keep it. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Um, and, and also the Europa League and Champions League have been suspended until further notice. Uh, Matcha, as a Chelsea fan, obviously y- you guys are at the moment kind of in a bit of a yo-yo. Yeah, in a bit of a battle, in a bit a battle. of a yo-yo battle. Europa League, Champions League, where are you going to finish? How does this season um, postponement affect you as a Chelsea fan and the club? I mean, it's weird because Chelsea kind of were getting a bit of momentum. And by that, I mean, we beat Liverpool and Everton <laughs> in our last two games. So that's somewhat form considering Barda opening 10 games, I think it was. Mm. That's form this season. Uh, it depends what the outcome is. If they just go, we're going to finish the league table as it is. Yep. That's brilliant for Chelsea. That's brilliant news. Um, I would have taken top four at the start of the season. Yeah. Bitten your hand off. And I think everyone at the club especially the people higher up, money-wise, that's amazing. Chelsea have bought zero players in this year. They've made a lot of money on transfer sales and then they're still going to have the revenue of the Champions League. I mean, getting to the last 16 of the Champions League this season gives Chelsea the same amount of money from playing in European competition as they got from winning the Europa League. So, (laughs) financially, it would put Chelsea in great position. If they just... Null the season. I don't know what happens with the top four. Do they just use the same top four? Uh, the season I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not a. Yeah, we don't know yet. So it's it's. I don't know. I think once we know more, which we're not going to know for ages, determine it more. But I guess I have looked a bit back a bit at Chelsea's yeah. season, and I go, yeah, it's been positive. Mm. There's been a lot of youngsters coming through. Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, um, Reese James, Tamori. I, I mean, personally, small. as an Arsenal fan, it's been a very very weird weird season. Because uh, obviously he came in mm. the investment of Pepe, uh, David Luiz, David Luiz, Tierney, players like that coming in. There was a bit of an, a bit of excitement, and then Unai Emery, yeah, and then oh, Unai Emery decided to come in, mess everything up. Squad morale for a majority of the season has been absolutely awful. Um, obviously em- Emery sacked. Um, Mikel Arteta coming in, 
giving the team an instant boost. I, I watched the game against Bournemouth, his first game, and you could instantly see the improvement uh, within the team. Uh, or is that just Bournemouth yeah, well, being a bit trash? I can't say that. I can't say that. Chelsea sure, sure. haven't beaten Bournemouth this year. We've lost and drawn. It was a very good game. Thank you very much, Chuck. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, it, it was just a very weird, very weird season. So, I mean, personally, I, su- I suppose if the season were to continue, we could mathematically get into the Europa League or the Champions League. Very unlikely, but we could. Um, personally, I'm happy to finish the season as it is from an Arsenal standpoint. From an Arsenal standpoint, write the season off been a good amount of time to get under uh, Arteta's vision and then they can really kick on when all this craziness is over and then the world can resume to normal. Premier League-wise, obviously I'm not one of the heads of the Premier League. I don't know how that's going to work with relegation or clubs coming up or whoever's winning or whatever. Um, But they've talked about this 2022 team, I, I don't like that yeah. personally. Yeah, I don't know how you sort it mm. in a fairer way though. And then it I think there's gonna be a lot of legal stuff involved at the end of yeah. whatever happens because say they end it as it is, Manchester United are gonna go, Well, we could have gotten top yeah. four, which is a lot of money because there's no guarantee and that then... Chelsea would have ended there, you know. We need compensation for that money that we would have mm. had if we got it. It's all and, and the relegation clubs, um how do you exactly. measure that? Because well, there's a couple of teams at the bottom that are clearly very far behind. We were starting to get yeah, Bournemouth, Bournemouth I... um, sort of on a, on a mini, mini roll, uh, winning their last two or three games. Um, with Ake coming back, um, our defence that was all injured has now slowly been um, getting getting back to the pitch. And at that point, we were winning a few more games. And I think if if the Premier League carried on, we would be out of that position. Um, we'd still be fighting, but we would be a little bit more clear than what we are now. Um, so I hope I hope they don't scrap it and base it off that, because I think it would be from from watching a lot of the games. I think it would be unfair to say that we're not Premier League quality. Mm, exactly. I, I think I think that's a very very valid point, and that's ultimately up for the. Um the Premier League officials and, and the people who are paid the big money to to decide that. But I think one thing we can all agree with, whatever the decision, not going to please everyone. There's going to be some... No, there's no way. There's going to be some there's grumbles. No pleasing everyone. Definitely. Um, and, and and just to finish off, uh, to, still, still on the Premier League, they've asked uh, players to take a 30% wage cut uh, to try and ease yeah. some of the financial burdens on clubs, obviously through this um, time of not playing, obviously not getting match day revenue and TV TV money. P- personally, mm. they're not obligated, but personally, a majority of well, no. I say a majority, pretty much all of the um, pretty much all of the players could afford that easily. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, Jack, what, what's your take? You would have to be very cynical and egotistical not to be okay with that with the current circumstances. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw, I saw a lot of um, a lot of clubs on Instagram have have thanked all the players for accepting this and um, using the money to then um, not only fund the club but um, actually pay the um, the staff around the club, like the groundsmen, the um, people in the merchandise shops, the people who accept the tickets, um, that pe- those people who don't get the limelight but are still a part of the club, and yeah. also work because they're not they're not making those big money, um, be- but they still can't work. They're still unemployed at the moment. They're getting the money that they they should have got. I think that's that's the fairest way to go. Those are the people who. 
uh, would be struggling more so than the professional football players in their mansions. And um, I think it's really nice to see the nice side of football players come out in, in tough times like this, as opposed to everyone thinking they're all about money. They don't care about anyone else. They're just playing football for the money and to win things when it's actually not the case for a lot of people, players. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Matcha, what are your thoughts? It's a tough situation. Um, Andros Townsend came out, I think, and said footballers are an easy target. Mm. But I kind of agree. You're, yeah. They are an easy target for a good reason because they get paid this whack of money and I think They've got an opportunity here to show that they are human and get in people's good books because people that don't watch football see these, in their eyes, overpaid players that, in their eyes, shouldn't get paid that much and that money should yeah. go somewhere else. But at the end of the day, it is a millionaire's money that yeah. he likes, I mean, in my eyes. That's my opinion. But um, I think players on the wage cut... Have you seen... You, I saw you tweeted about Sunderland. Tomorrow. Yeah, I watched it. I watched series one on season two. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not finished season two yet. But um, no, in series one, Jack Rodwell is a key figure because mm. he's on such a high wage at a club that just couldn't afford it in the league they were in. And I think players to kind of maybe look at the club and go, if I care about this club. Yeah, maybe I take the wage cut because you know it's going to help the club long term. Obviously, don't do the Jack Rodwell thing where he just stays on and gets paid a yeah. whack of money uh, for doing I nothing. Think, I think it's a very interesting situation where you've got people in a position of obviously high wealth, even even the lower paid, uh, lower paid players who mm. possibly are earning thirty or or. or yeah, thirty or twenty thousand pounds a week, which is still ridiculous. Um, e- even if they take a twenty pound wage cut, I believe all the players should be responsible enough as adults to to have sorted their finances out. As long as they can, as long as they can sort their life out for their families and their homes and everyone around them, I think I think they should be fine. And a thirty percent wage cut, yes, that is a fair bit. But take De Bruyne, for example, say he's on 200,000. You take. Mm. Yeah. Well, if we're saying, if we're saying 30,000, right? So you take that off. That, that turns, yeah. if my maths is right, that turns into 60, yeah. Turns into 60,000. And that pays a couple people's wages for a year. And that's that. That's just one week. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, so, so personally, I'm in agreement with the both of you. Yeah. I think this isn't that isn't an awful, awful decision. And I think for the for the sake of the clubs and the sake of society, yeah. that should definitely be a be a thing that happens. Yeah, I, I think putting yourself above the club, yeah. which is really arrogant to do. And with Andres Townsend saying that um, footballers are easy targets, that they are among the most, uh, the highest paid professions, probably going with American football and, and American basketball. But I guarantee if you ask rugby players to do that, which they probably have done, they would accept it, no, prob- no questions asked. And they're in such a completely different situation. They don't need every penny of that money. So... I, I I really it annoyed me when when you said that Matt that Andros Townsend said that because I don't think um sorry I've lost my train of thought I was staring at something and my my mind was wandering um, <laughs> uh, I I I think because they're professional football players playing in the biggest arguably the biggest league in the world they're always on show. It's common knowledge they have loads of money. So do what is right and accept it because they're lucky to be getting that much money at all in general. 
I, I think I think uh, pretty good ending point matcher. Is there anything else you want to add at all from what we've said today? Uh, no, I think that I think that we've covered it. We've covered that season and the current topics. Watch Tiger King. Probably all I'd say. Watch Tiger King. Passes the time. Great. Okay. We'll do. All right. Thank you very much again for another week. Uh, the first episode will be up soon alongside this episode as well. It's the Jack Matcher. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'll see you in a bit. Adios. Bye.